Hey guys, Eric Lindine here. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Uh, no, it is so good to be with you here uh, tonight, which is something that I have rarely said over the years when I've had the opportunity to preach. And so I'm so incredibly thankful to be able to be here and to be able to share uh, with you. As Eric mentioned a moment ago, um, I am a church planter. And so uh, I spent about 20 years uh, almost in youth ministry. Uh, I started out as a program director. Yeah, woo. Uh, started out as a program director at a camp and uh, served a camp in southeastern Minnesota uh, for all almost seven years, and uh, then moved up to the Twin Cities and became a senior high youth pastor for almost a decade uh, at a church in Brooklyn Park. Uh, And then, as Eric said a moment ago, almost eight years ago, uh, we set out and we felt God was calling us to plant and to start a church. And so we started Imagine Church. Um, And so, like Eric said, next Sunday we turn eight, which is a a really exciting thing for us. Uh, I somehow have uh, managed to uh, be married and... uh, we managed to make it uh, 18 years so far. I'm so thankful for that. Uh, Daphne is my wife, and uh, we met in college. Super thankful for her. Um, we have two boys. Uh, my oldest is 13. Uh, he just turned 13 about a month and a half ago. Uh, he is a, a monster. Uh, actually, now that I say that out loud, that sounded horrible. Uh, I really hope you're not watching. Uh, he is really tall. He, uh, he just hit uh, about the six foot one mark uh, a few weeks ago. And so at some point, I'm not going to lie, we're just praying that he stops growing. So that or I'm going to make him get a job. So he has to start buying his own pants and shoes because this is ridiculous how much we go through. Uh, he is 13 and in seventh grade, my youngest is Isaiah. Uh, he is in eighth grade. And so uh, Elijah is really into sports. He's really competitive. He's really extroverted. Um, My eight-year-old is a little bit more of the opposite. He's a little bit more of a homebody. Um, He has a tendency. He's really into uh, art and some of those things. And so I'm so incredibly thankful uh, for my family and uh, just the way that God has brought us together and the way that he has walked alongside us. Um, And I want to let you know at the very outset of our time together tonight that I'm really thankful for you as a church. I'm really thankful for Eric. And over the last couple of years, we've had an opportunity. It started monthly, now it's like monthly-ish that we've been getting together with, with some other pastors here in the area. And I'm so thankful for the friendship that has developed. We've laughed together, we've cried together, we've worshiped together. And I'm so thankful for you as a church as I've watched you have to go through move after move after move. And here's what I know. Imagine Church is also a church that is a little bit smaller. And I know the challenge that sometimes it is. And I'm so thankful for people like you that are invested and that are a part of this community. And I think so often in my own life, and I think that this is true of the church as well, that we have a tendency to overestimate what we can do in the short term and underestimate what things look like if we were to just stay faithful. And I think that small churches are a testament to that. 
And so thank you for being a part of Mosaic. Thank you for choosing to be here. Uh, Like I said, I'm just so incredibly thankful to be able to share and to be able to continue this series on Galatians. Uh, I want to start out tonight. uh, I know that it is snowing outside, so this is actually maybe something that you're dreaming of, or maybe you really like the snow and you're crazy, although we live here in this state, so I guess we kind of got to embrace it. But um, one of my favorite things about spring is uh, just the new growth that begins to happen every single year. Uh, and here's what I know about at least my own lawn. Uh, almost every single year, whenever the spring starts, um, I end up having a major issue. And maybe you have the same. And that is that dandelions grow in my yard. And I don't know what it was uh, about this last spring. But, but I feel like my neighbors, like they had some kind of a text message thread where they were like, yo, like let's see who can grow the most dandelions in their yard. And they succeeded. I mean, it was ridiculous. The house that was like three doors down from us, uh, their lawn was literally covered. It was like walking and looking into a field of nothing but dandelions. The guy that lived across the street and down a uh, house, he had the same thing that was going on. And so I told my wife early on in the spring that I was going to do something about our lawn this year and that I was going to declare war on dandelions. And so here's what you need to know a little bit about who I am. I'm very competitive by nature. Uh, I'm like, I don't just want to win, I have to win. Uh, like I told this morning uh, a story this morning uh, about playing the game of memory and concentration. Has anybody ever played that game before? You know, the, the little memory cards. Like when I was like four years old, my dad was playing memory against me and, and I knew that my dad was letting me win and I got angry as like a four-year-old and I was like, bro, like don't do this anymore. Actually, I never called my dad, bro. I don't know why I said that. But I, I looked at my dad and it was like, stop letting me win. And I don't know if it was his best moment or worst moment of parenting, but he literally crushed my soul that very next game. And so be careful what you wish for. And so uh, I am ultra, ultra, ultra competitive. And so I made it my mission that I was going to destroy every single dandelion that was in our yard. And this is not an exaggeration. Every morning when I woke up, before I would take my kids to school, I would go out into the yard. I had my little five-gallon pail and my little shovel, and I would dig out the dandelions And at night, at like eight o'clock at night after I was done helping get at least my youngest ready for bed, I would go back out and I would dig up the dandelions that I found in our yard because I wasn't going to let the dandelions win. And I've been doing this for like three weeks. It's probably about 7.30 in the morning and I'm out and I'm digging out the dandelions and my youngest wanders out into the yard and he's standing there and he's just watching me for a few minutes. I'm getting ready to take him to school at about eight o'clock and he's standing there and he's just watching me and all of a sudden he just looks at me and he says, you know you're gonna lose, right? Which is never something that you say to a competitive person. Like it is one of the worst things that you could possibly say. But he looks at me and he says, you know you're going to lose, right? And then he looked at me and I'll never forget this expression. He looked at me and he said, but whatever, you do you. And then he turned around and he walked away. And I'm standing there angrily digging farther than I've ever dug before, just piles of of holes that are now being generated in my yard as I'm so incredibly angry at him. But I thought about that phrase, you do you. I thought about that phrase, you do you. And here's what I want to share with us and what I want to talk to us about this, this, uh, this afternoon, this evening. I think sometimes when we use that phrase, you do you, like maybe there's moments that we actually use it in kind of a sincere way. 
But I think more often than not, when I think about that phrase, or I utilize that phrase, or I hear somebody use that phrase, you do you, that really what we mean is this. Like, listen, man, this is not the choice that I would make. Like, I don't agree with what you're doing. In fact, maybe I think you're even wrong in what you're doing, but I am washing my hands of this situation and I am walking away. You go ahead and you just do you. I wonder when was the last time that you said that to somebody? I know here in Minnesota, so there's never been probably a time that you've said that maybe out loud, like thank you passive aggressive Minnesotans, but when was the last time that you thought to yourself, Man, you do you. Or when was the last time that you looked at somebody and you just thought to yourself, you know what, I would do it the exact opposite way. Like, who's that name? Who's that face? Who's that person that maybe comes to mind? And here's what I know about my own life. It's so easy to judge. Like, isn't it really easy to judge? Like, I just told you a story where I basically judge the smoke out of my neighbors, right? Like, I need to go have a conversation with them next year or something. But, but it's so easy for every single one of us to judge situations. And you know what's even crazier? When I think about the judgment that oftentimes I have in my own life and in my own heart, I rarely afford people the opportunity to be able to explain their situation. But when I feel like I'm the one who's being judged, Man, I get angry. I get frustrated. I get incredibly upset. Like, how dare they say to me or how dare they think to themselves, like, you do you. I want them to get to understand and to ask questions and to know what is happening and what is taking place. And so often, I rarely afford the luxury to others that I expect of myself. And I think if we were to be honest this afternoon slash evening, whether you're here with me in person, whether you're scattered together with us online, that if we were to ask the question of who do you struggle with, I think a lot of us would raise our hands. And there's just people in our life that we struggle to love. There's people in our life that we struggle to serve There's people in our life that it's just a lot easier to think to ourselves, man, you do you and almost wash our hands of the situation and to turn and to walk away. And here's what I know. And here's what I believe. That as followers of Jesus Christ, as followers of Jesus Christ, I believe that our call is to love and to serve the people that are around us the people that God allows to crash into our lives on a daily or weekly or monthly or yearly basis. And it's what I wanna spend the bulk of my time talking about here this afternoon, that I believe that you and I are set free to love and that we're set free to be able to serve others. And I think the answer that we have when we think about who are the people that we say you do you to or think to ourselves you do you to or the people that we struggle to love, that the answer is actually found uh, when we examine our own hearts and when we open up God's word and we allow it to speak truth. Uh, Hebrews chapter four, and I'm sure you've heard this before, says that the word of God is living and that it's active. 
And so every single moment that I open up God's word, man, the expectation that I have from myself and my hope, the expectation that we can have together as a group tonight is that we allow the spirit of God to speak into our hearts, to transform, to change, to call something out of us. And so as we think about this idea that we are called to be set free, to love and to serve others, I would love to invite you uh, to open up God's word to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, if you're new to church or, or newer to church or joining us online and maybe you haven't been around church for a little bit, Galatians is found about three-fourths of the way through your Bible. It's a really small and tiny book. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians are the books that immediately follow. And so Galatians chapter five is where I wanna spend a few minutes. And like Eric mentioned a moment ago, this is a letter written by Paul to the church in Galatians. So here's where I want us to spend our time this afternoon. Galatians chapter five, beginning in verse 13, it says this. It says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. I love this series that you guys have been a part of, this idea of being set free. And I know that you guys have talked about being set free from sin, that you've been talking about what it means to be set free from religion and the ability that you have to live inside of grace, uh, the ability to be set free from your old identity. And I know that, that Dr. Pastor Jeremy was here last week and spoke to you guys about being set free from slavery and to be adopted into God's family. And I love this idea of freedom that God gives us, that when we follow him, that it's not a call to legalism, it's not a call to a list of rules and regulations, but that it is a call to a relationship, that the motivation that we have inside of that relationship is love that we have for God as we continue to grow in, in our relationship and as we understand more about who he is and as his spirit continues to reveal and, and mold and reform and change every single one of us. But here's what I want to remind us of tonight, that when we think about this idea of being set free, that the freedom that we have been given doesn't mean that it's only about you. The freedom that you have is about you, but it also is about the way that we are able to take the freedom that God has given us to be able to walk alongside and to be able to affect and to be able to serve and to be able to love the people who are around us. I think that our call as followers of him is not to put on blinders and to only care about our small area or the people that only we come across. But the call that we have as followers of Jesus is to be open and to have lives that are open where we take the blinders off and where we begin to become hyper aware of the needs and the people who exist around us. And listen, we read these verses just a moment ago from Galatians chapter five, and here's what I believe, that if we were to read through this section, most of us would say, man, this makes a lot of sense. Like, man, I am on board with this concept. I am on board with this 
idea. Don't use your freedom to indulge the fresh. Serve one another. Do it humbly in love. Like, love your neighbor as yourself. Like, this is all stuff I've heard before. This is good. This is right. This is proper. I am 100% in. And maybe it's just me and it's my own life. But you know what really is maybe the most challenging thing for me to live out? It's the simplest things in life. Why is it that the simplest things in life are sometimes the most challenging for us to live out? I can't prove this. This isn't anywhere near biblical, so I understand and I know this, but I really believe that on the eighth day, God created nacho cheese Doritos. Like, I just love nacho cheese Doritos. They are my favorite things in the world. There have been um, more than one occasion that I started eating a bag. I meant to only eat four. The next thing I knew, I was down to four chips that were left. At that point, why would you put them back in the cupboard, right? Um, it's why I'm as massive and as huge as I am to this day. Here's what I know about nacho cheese Doritos. If I choose to eat nacho cheese Doritos every single day, I know that it is absolutely horrific for my health. Like if I'm trying to lose weight, if I'm trying to make sure that I don't have high cholesterol, if I'm trying to control being a diabetic, like if I consume nacho cheese Doritos every day, it is not the best decision that I can make. And it's something that is incredibly simple. Yet why is it so challenging that anytime we have Doritos in the house, it's like a moth to a flame, right? And it's true in every single one of our lives. Sometimes it's the simplest things that are the most challenging for us to live out. And so in this letter, Paul is looking at the church, and really he's looking at us who are here tonight. He's saying, listen, when you're set free, this freedom that you have been given, that God gives you, the ability to not be indulged by legalism, to be, to be able to be in relationship with me. It isn't just about you, but it's about taking what I have given you to love and to serve the people that are around you. And so it's what I want to talk to us about for just a few minutes. If we would agree with something like this, but know that inside of our own lives that this can be a really challenging Thing for us to actually tangibly live out. How do we do this? How do we live a life where we walk humbly? How do we live a life where we serve others in love? I think there's three ways um, that we can do this. The very first one is this, that we embrace humility. If we want to live lives where, where we are free to love and to serve others, I think it begins by embracing humility Sometimes I think that word humility is kind of a buzzword that we use. There's so many different definitions that are out there or that people use. But, but some of the ways that I think about humility, I wrote this down, is, is kind of an absence of, of pride or, or an arrogance that is gone. There's a willingness in your life to, to have conversation, to have things pointed out. That There's a willingness to learn you're always trying to grow and to be able to get better, but it's not just the absence of pride or the absence of being arrogant. It's not just about having a willingness to learn and to grow. I think there's also a humility is, is a willingness to put other people first. It's a willingness to put other people first. Uh, here's what I believe. Uh, here's what I think. Uh, Jesus is probably a pretty good person for, for us to emulate. 
uh, that he's a pretty good example for us to be able to live by. And there's this fascinating story that takes place in, in Mark chapter 10. As a church um, at Imagine, we have been walking through the book of Mark this fall. We just wrapped up that series this morning. But there's this fascinating conversation that takes place in, in Mark chapter 10. And, and Jesus is having a conversation with his 12 disciples and by the way, I think sometimes we look at disciples and we think to ourselves like, man, these are dudes that are like pillars of our faith, that these are guys that are so spiritual and that they were absolutely amazing. And listen, there were moments that they had tremendous times of faith. There were moments where God used them in some really real and profound ways. But when you begin to peel back the layers, you realize how dysfunctional this group of 12 so often was. And honestly, I find comfort in that because I look at my own life and I realize all the chaos that I can bring at times and the baggage that I bring. And I think about the way that Jesus was so patient with them. And I think about the way that he's so patient with me. And honestly, I think about the way that he is so patient with every single one of you. And so Jesus is having this conversation and uh, he's on the, the road with his 12 disciples and uh, two guys, uh, James and John, uh, they've kind of pulled Jesus aside in this moment. And they pull Jesus aside in this moment and they ask him a question. And the question that they ask him is this, hey, uh, when your kingdom comes, uh, we want to be the ones that sit at your right hand. And really what this question is that they ask of Jesus in this moment, it's about power, it's about influence, it's about authority. They want to be the ones who are recognized. And it's interesting because the other 10, word trickles back to them that James and John have asked this question and they're tense. They are mad at James and John. And honestly, I think part of the reason that they're upset is because they didn't have the courage to ask him first. And so Jesus gathers up his 12. He gathers up his 12. And he says this, Mark chapter 10, beginning, uh, Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse, uh, beginning in verse uh, 41. It says, when the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Then Jesus called together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is looking at his 12 guys that have gathered together and he said, listen, you wanna be the greatest? You wanna be the one that has power? You wanna be the one that has influence? It isn't about other people serving you, but it's about you being willing to go and to serve and to walk alongside other people. It's about you being willing to take off the blinders it's about you being willing to lay down your pride, to lay down your arrogance, to have a willingness to learn and to grow and to recognize and see the value that is found in every single person, which by the way, God created. And sometimes I read this story, right? And I think to myself, listen, I understand what Jesus is trying to say in this moment, but I give myself an out 
And I think to myself, listen, man, I'm not Jesus. Like, I know who I am. Like, I know the brokenness that I, that, that I have in my life. I know the baggage that I carry. I know the ways that God is continuing to work in each and every one of us, including and especially myself. And here's what I want to remind us of, that when we read this story in Mark chapter 10, when we think about the example that Jesus gave, or, or we think about the example in the way that Jesus lived, excuse me, don't give yourself an out. Don't give yourself an out. Because so often we can think to ourselves, well, I'm not Jesus. And we let ourselves off of the hook. But I just gotta let you know, for myself and for my own life, I don't wanna have a faith that settles. I don't wanna have a faith that sets the bar as low as I possibly can. The mission of our church at, at, at Imagine is to fall more in love with Jesus every single day. It's the mission of our church, but it's also the cry and it is the desire of my heart. And I gotta be really honest. It is a series of sometimes four steps back and two steps forward. It's sometimes it's five steps forward and two steps back, but I never wanna settle for a faith that is anything less than trying to do everything that I can to emulate and to be like Jesus. If we are going to be set free to love and to serve other people, then it starts with us beginning to embrace humility. But I think that there's another part and another piece that goes along with this, and that is that we embrace opportunity. I know that we read this just a moment ago, but Galatians chapter 5 in verse 15, Galatians chapter 5 in verse 15, it says this, uh, I'm sorry, verse 14, it says, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. If we're going to embrace humility, if that's the start, if that begins at a heart level, then the second part, if we think about being set free to love and to serve other people, is that we embrace the opportunities that God gives us. And the call that he gives us is to love our neighbor as ourself. And here's what I want to remind us of, that you and I don't get to choose who we love. I think sometimes we need to sit with that more. That when God calls us to love him first and then to love your neighbor as yourself, that that means that the call that we have is to truly love, to care, to be aware of the people that are around us. And maybe I, it's just me, but I gotta be really candid tonight. You know who the easiest person in the world is for me to love? Man, it's this dude right here. The easiest person in the world for me to love is me. I don't have to work very hard to be selfish. I don't have to work very hard to justify my actions. I don't have to work very hard to know that I'm right when everyone else is wrong. And all of a sudden we begin to think about the command to love your neighbor as yourself. And I actually think that it really is one of the more challenging things that Jesus says to us and that we could find in scripture because it's one of those concepts that we hear so often, especially from the time if we grew up in the church, like we've heard this from the time that we were little and we can almost get to a point where we let it go in one ear and out the other because we've heard it over and over and over and over and over again. And I think at times it begins to become diluted and it loses the power and the impact. Do you know what it means to love your neighbor as yourself? 
That's actually a really challenging and difficult and hard thing for us to be able to do because oftentimes the people that are easiest for us to love the most is ourselves. And so I think that when it comes to this idea of how do we begin to take the eyes off of ourselves, how do we begin to take off the blinders that we begin to look and to become aware of the opportunities that exist around us. That we begin to explore and we begin to look for the people in our lives who are going through something. And I think once, or sometimes we think about this idea of, of loving our neighbor as ourselves, or we think about this idea of being set free to, to love and to serve, and we think about it in such like gigantic, big ways. You know, like the only way that I can make an impact, the only way that I can actually do anything that matters is if I do something huge. But once again, I go back to what I said a moment ago about small churches and what I just believe that is true in our lives. We overestimate what we can do in the short term and underestimate what it looks like if we were to just stay faithful. What if we were to actually tangibly look for opportunities to be able to walk alongside, to serve and to love other people that are in our lives? What if tonight or tomorrow in the conversation that you have with your neighbor or in the conversation that you have with your coworker, instead of just going through the grind and checking the things off the list, how's Thanksgiving, good, turkey was dry, sorry, great here, you know, like whatever, whatever it is, what if we were listening for opportunities in ways that maybe they were going through something in their life and opportunities that we had to be able to uh, walk alongside them? Maybe a sickness that has come up that you could provide a meal or a gift card for them to be able to go out to eat. Maybe it's something as small as just praying for them or having the ability to pray for them. Maybe it's found in, like I said, something that is a little bit more tangible. But if we're going to be set free to serve and to love people in our lives, it begins with us embracing humility it continues with us continuing to embrace the opportunity that God sends our way. Here's what I love about this section of scripture, and it's one of the things that I love about the Bible in general. Even though it was written thousands of years ago, man, it is so real. It's so relevant. It's so true about my own life. And so Paul actually concludes this section of scripture that we've been looking at by kind of giving the church a little bit of a warning. Uh, He says this, verse uh, uh, 15. He says, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. I think that God knows and understands that our natural tendency is to look inward. I think God knows and understands that our natural tendency is to care about myself first. And I think he knows and that he understands that if you and I are truly going to be set free to serve and to love the people that are around us, that it's going to be a battle. And so he says, listen, you gotta be aware of this. This is something that you've gotta be hypersensitive to. This has gotta be something where you have your antennas up, that you're paying attention. Because if you lose focus of the people who are around you, 
If you lose focus of the opportunity that you have to love and to serve other people, the tendency that we are going to have is to begin to turn inward. And the moment that we begin to turn inward and only care about what's going on inside, all of a sudden, small things become big deals. All of a sudden, community begins to break down because we get fired up about things that honestly do not matter at all. And so God is looking at your life and he's looking at mine. And for those of us, or for those of you who are scattered together with us online, and he's saying, listen, I want you to be aware of what is taking place. The call that we have is to love. The call that we have is to serve the people who are around us. And if we begin to take and put on blinders, and if we begin to only focus on what's going on in our section or in our church or in my life, then it's going to be very easy for us to find ourselves in a place where chaos is being created all around us. And so the last thing that I want to remind us of is this. Like, why would we do this? Like, all this sounds really great. You love people, serve other people, walk with humility, embrace opportunities that come. But why would we do this? And here's what I want to leave you with tonight. And that is I believe that you and I need to embrace obedience. I believe that you and I need to embrace obedience. Can I just be really, really candid with you for a minute? I've been a part of so many churches that just seem to have blinders on. I've been a part of so many churches where, where this idea of loving and serving other people is found once a year, where you do some kind of a project or where you do some kind of funding and you write a big check and you turn and you walk away. But if a call that Jesus has on our lives is to serve the people around us. If the call in those who are in the kingdom of God in order to be greatest is not to be the one who is being served, but to be the one who is serving, then I believe that you and I, as followers of Christ, cannot take these words that we read just a moment ago at face value and to allow it to go in one ear and allow it to go out the other's. I believe that the call that we have to love and to serve the people that are around us is not found in a service project that we do once a year. I don't believe that it's found when we just gather together every once in a while and try to do outreach. But I believe that the call that we have as followers of Jesus to truly love our neighbors as ourselves is not something that we check a box off of a list four times a year, but it is something that God calls us to do every single moment of every single day. And that's where the challenge lies. It's where the challenge lies. Sometimes it's the simplest things in life that we have the hardest time doing. And so as we get ready to wrap up our time together this evening, I just want to ask you a question. Who is God calling you to love? Who is God calling you to serve? I've listened to messages like this so many times over the years. And it's so easy for me to just think about it and be like, yeah, I need to find somebody to love and I need to find somebody to serve. But I want you to think about it. Who's that name? 
Who's that face? Who's that individual? Who's that group? I want to end our time tonight by, by telling you a story of, of really one of my personal heroes. Uh, it's a guy by the name of Dave Simpson. Uh, I first came across Dave Simpson in 2008. Uh, he was a very meek, very quiet, very unassuming man that attended the church that I was the youth pastor at. And every single day, Dave Simpson's job brought him into downtown Minneapolis. And so for years, he would drive the same route on his way to the office and on his way back. And as he would drive into Minneapolis and as he would drive home, he began to notice that over the years that the homeless population just seemed to continue to grow and grow and grow. And one particularly cold morning, he woke up and he went to his go-to, which every single morning he ate a bowl of oatmeal, which sounds horrific, but you know, you do you. So, uh, but he decided that he was gonna make himself a bowl of oatmeal. And when he went to go dump in his serving, he accidentally let go of the box. It slipped a little bit. And instead of one portion being poured into the pan, like almost the entire box went in. And so he decided that he was just doing to embrace what happened. And so he ended up cooking up this entire pot. He ended up with five extra bowls of oatmeal. And he thought to himself, you know what? As I'm going to be driving into work today, I'm just gonna stop and I'm just gonna see if anybody would like. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Maple Grove podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic Maple Grove. Your generosity allows this message to go out into the world. You can be a part of the Mosaic Tribe by going to mymosaicchurch.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace, my friends. Within a month, he had began to share what was going on. And so people that were in his small group got kind of excited about what it was that, they, that he was doing. And they thought to themselves, you know what? Maybe on a Saturday, all of us could make some oatmeal. Maybe we could go down to a park in Minneapolis and maybe we could just serve there until the oatmeal is gone. And that's exactly what they did. And for six months, once a month on Saturdays, they would begin to gather and they would just serve oatmeal to whoever came. As Dave began to become more invested and as he began to become more involved, he realized that the need was endless and that the need was great. And so he started a ministry. It was called 2.4. The whole idea was that you donate one-tenth of your day to volunteering and serving, 2.4 hours. And they would go down to Minneapolis and they would serve breakfast to anywhere between 100 and 200 people. And that small thing that Dave Simpson did, accidentally pouring more oatmeal than what he meant to into a pot and feeding five people has turned into a ministry that has been going where they literally are feeding homeless people every single day at downtown Minneapolis. They recently hit over 600,000 meals that they have served to people. And I think about the call that God gives us to love and to serve the people that are around us. 
I think it's about embracing humility. It's about embracing opportunity, but it's also about embracing obedience. Dave in that moment didn't know that one bowl of oatmeal, or in this case, five bowls of oatmeal was going to grow into something that God was going to use and multiply into 600,000. And here's what I believe, that there's probably some people in this room where you might be called to do something and you're not going to find yourself in a position where you're gonna find yourselves 15 years later feeding 600,000 people. But what I do know is this, that sometimes it's a single meal, sometimes it's a single prayer, sometimes it's a single raked yard, sometimes it's a single mowing of the grass, sometimes it's a single moment where you walk alongside someone and you look at them and you just remind them that they have value and that they have worth. Sometimes it's found in the moments where we just remind ourselves of who we are, sinners who are saved by grace, and that God has called us to serve and to love the people that are around us. It is not about following him so that it only becomes about us, but it is about taking what God is doing and the transformation that he is changing in every single one of our hearts and lives and using that to be a light to the people that are around us. Who in your life do you need to love? Who in your life do you need to serve? Who in your life do you need to give a bowl of oatmeal to? So as we wrap up our time together, I just want you to do this. Would you just stand with me? Would you stand with me as we get ready to close? As we wrap up our time together tonight, I I want to read what is truly one of my favorite passages. It's found in Philippians chapter two. And every time I think about this idea of serving and loving others, and every time I think about this idea of taking off my blinders and I justify all the reasons that I'm already doing things or that I'm too busy or this or that, and and I forget to love and to serve the people that are around me, I feel like I run across this passage and it speaks to my heart every time. And I hope it speaks to yours. Philippians chapter two, verse five, it just simply says this, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing taking on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of of God the Father. You and I are set free to love and to serve others. God, I just come before you tonight, and Lord, I thank you for the reminder that you give and the calling that you place on every single one of our lives to view and to see other people. And God, I recognize that my own natural tendency is to put the blinders on, God, I recognize that my own natural tendency is to be concerned most about me and myself and what's going on and taking place in my life. 
And God, I thank you for the reminder and the call that you give us to serve and to love other people. God, I pray for myself and I pray for every single person here and online, Lord, that we take the blinders off. God, that we embrace humility, that we embrace opportunity, that we embrace walking in obedience to the ways that you have called us to live. And God, we look for moments this week to serve a bowl of oatmeal to the people in our lives. God, thank you for Mosaic Church. God, thank you for what you are doing here in Maple Grove. God, I just pray that you continue to fill Eric and the leaders of this church and the people that are a part of this community full of you. God, may you do immeasurably more in and through this community and in and through this church. And God, we know that we will give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. God, we pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Hey, as we wrap up our time together tonight, I gotta leave you with this, and I know this might be a little bit weird, but I do it every single Sunday at our church, and I wanna do it with you. So we wrap up our time together tonight. I wanna remind you of this. If you are not dead, if you are not dead, God is not done in your life. If you're not dead, God is not done. We were called to be set free, to love and to serve others. Thank you so much for letting me be here tonight. God bless you. You're dismissed.